Let's talk content marketing. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The Voice Sam Player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicesam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voicesam.com slash markscott. The VOpreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original everyday VOpreneur. Hello and welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original everyday VOpreneur, ready to kick off another amazing year of the podcast. Thank you so much to every one of you who listened in 2021. We crossed a milestone last year with over 100,000 downloads, working our way towards 150,000 downloads now. I'm so grateful to you for listening, for sharing the podcast, for promoting it on your social media channels as well. And thank you for all of the feedback that you have provided. I hope that we have another great year filled with some seriously actionable, practical content that you are going to be able to apply to your business to help it grow. And I know that is what is coming in this episode. You're going to love this one. We're talking about content marketing, and maybe you understand the term content marketing, or maybe that sounds like something that you've never heard of and you don't really know what it means, but I can assure you that if you have any form of social media whatsoever or even a website, then at least on a basic level, you are a content marketer. And my guest today is going to help you understand what content marketing truly means and how you can do it more effectively how you can create content for all of those different channels that will drive traffic to your website, that will make people want to know more about your services, and ultimately that will help you to grow your voiceover business. So get your pen and paper ready. You're going to be taking a lot of notes on this one. Content, content, and more content. Every day, all day, the human population is one ginormous content creating and consuming machine. Now, if you do the creation well and effectively, it can be a powerful tool in creating awareness for your brand. If you do it poorly, well, let's just not do it poorly. My guest today is an expert in this field with three decades of experience. She was an authority in content marketing long before you even knew content marketing was a thing, having been a featured speaker at numerous marketing conferences across the U.S. In addition, she's a gifted voice actor whose credits include Mercedes, Prudential, and Ford. Aloha. <laughs> Pamela Muldoon, welcome to the show. Uh, aloha, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Thank you. <laughs> so the first thing we got to figure yeah. out is how does a Minnesota girl transplant from Vegas to Hawaii other than the obvious answer of Minnesota winter versus Hawaii winter? You could have. Yeah, you had me at winter. Basically, yeah, I know what 60 below wind chill. <laughs> I know what 60 below wind chill feels like. And let me tell you, 88 with a little humidity with the ocean breeze, much better. Um, yeah, so I keep going west. I've lived in Southern California. The last seven, eight years, my husband and I got out of Minnesota for very obvious reasons. But we love Minnesota. It's always home. So for all my Minnesota friends and family listening, we love you. But we needed to kind of not be around below zero temps, if you will. And basically, you know, we've had a rough couple of years with this pandemic, but it really allowed us the gift of kind of going where we thought we could go, if you will. Um, just an opportunity to help some friends build their retirement dream house and home out here on Maui. My husband's a handy guy. And because I can work from anywhere, we decided to pick up and check it out. And here we are. We now are residents of Kihei. Maui. <laughs> so don't don't burst the bubble for us. Don't don't blow up the image in our minds right now. But you are legit in a George Whittem tri booth on the beach, staring out. You know, <laughs> sipping from a coconut. Like this is the life now, right? 
This is the life. We are official uh, condo owners out here in Kihei, um, you know, doing some painting, putting uh, furniture in place very slowly because of supply chain issues. That's a whole other story. But yes, I'm in this beautiful tri-booth that my good friend George Whittem and my new friend Rick Wasserman designed. And I'm telling you, it's been a godsend to have it out here as we kind of had to be mobile a little bit and get reset up if any of you know what that's like to kind of reset up your really wonderful booth situation which is what I had in Hawaii or I'm sorry in Henderson to do this out here in Hawaii it's been a really wonderful way to still get up and running but not spend tons and tons of money and try to figure it all out so thank you George and Rick for creating such a wonderful piece of furniture is that what <laughs> well it sounds great so clearly it's doing exactly what it needs to do so let's yes. talk content marketing it's it's one of those fancy marketing terms it sounds like insider jargon although in actual fact right. <laughs> almost every day i would say each one of us is a content marketer whether we realize it or not so let's start by defining content marketing yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mark. We all do, whether you know it's a tweet on Twitter, a Facebook post, a LinkedIn post, a video we do for a client, anytime we write a blog, any of these, you know, elements that we throw out on the interweb. And then even some, you know, off interweb as well, but for the most part it's uh, internet related is basically content. Um, the biggest difference when we talk about content marketing is that we're doing it with the intent for someone to uh, engage with the content for the purpose of selling a product or service, right? It, there's a marketing intention. Now, that doesn't mean we're talking about our product in every piece of content, but behind the scenes, we're creating content, such as this podcast, to raise awareness, to raise audience, to raise engagement that has a dotted line to hopefully a product or service sale at the end. Establishing an audience, yep. building relationships, getting people to uh, generating awareness, right? So we've got, yeah. like you said, podcasting, what we're doing right now, blogging, yep. blogging, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. There's a lot of different options out there. So what advice do you have for the voice actor who's trying to figure out how to pick and choose a platform? Ooh, everything that I teach or speak about when it comes to content always starts with your audience. Everything whether you're choosing the type of content you want to produce, such as a podcast or a video or something in written text, to where you promote it and push it out, which could be channel or platform, right? So it's all about the audience. Now, we've here we are in the tail end in the 2021, 2022. I can't believe I'm saying, you know, years that we grew up with as Skynet years, I call them at this point. But what we're finding is that most audiences gravitate to all of the platforms that we have at our fingertips. But the more we understand our specific audience and how they, if you will, ingest content, we can choose our platforms accordingly. So of course, business to business, when it comes to a social media platform, for example, we tend to lean on LinkedIn because it's a, a business to business platform. But that doesn't mean that creating some videos on TikTok wouldn't also be a good idea because our audience is also younger than <laughs> than some of us, uh, and they're moving towards different ways to ingest content. So it all comes back to your audience. How do they want to get their information, and what do they normally as an audience want to spend time on, or how do they intake what they are either reading, listening to, or watching? That brings up an interesting point because, I mean, starting with the audience, that makes sense, but sometimes I think we're really general. So, yes. well, I want to reach out to instructional designers because I'm interested in working in e-learning, and so... Uh, you know, there's a lot of instructional designers on LinkedIn, so that makes the most sense. But that's that's thinking in the general sense of instructional designers, but it's not thinking in the broader demographic sense, because who's to say that there's not a younger generation of instructional designers that aren't spending a lot of time on TikTok <laughs> and consuming content yes. on TikTok, right? So it it does make it a little bit more of a, of a, a strategy that needs to be thought out, I suppose. It's not just as simple as saying, I want to target video producers. Well, great what video producers and where are those video producers hanging out, right? Absolutely. And and the reason I bring up this point is because, you know, content marketing as an industry and discipline has only been around for about 15 years, somewhere in that 13 to 15 year range. We've been doing it for decades and decades. It just wasn't defined as an industry until about 15 years ago. And one of the things that kind of kicked off 15 years ago was this conversation around generational marketing because it was the first time 
in, that we had up to, in some cases, five generations inside of an organization, right, from the silent generation all the way down to what was then considered just millennial as the young end. Fast forward now 10, 15 years later, our millennials are the managers. They're the hiring folks. They're the directors inside the company. So, and our Gen Zs are coming up behind them as high school into college, right? So we have to be very aware. And they're also all digital natives. The millennials are the first ones who are digital natives. So they've helped define a lot of what we experience today in terms of Snapchat and TikTok, for example, the social platforms. But then even why video is exploded and why podcasting is exploding, a lot of that has to do with the generational conversations that have been happening over the last 10 years, how they like to take information in and they want, they want it easy, short, sweet, succinct, pliable, you know, just on the go, all of that. And we have to embrace that. It doesn't mean that's, that's you know, that's a generality, of course. There's always specific um, elements to content that we have to consider. But that generational conversation, who's buying our product, who's buying our service, more than likely you're probably talking to a lot of millennials right now. <laughs> and that's something that you've got to take yeah. into consideration. I mean, I, I talk about TikTok and I'm like, no, I'm an old fart. There's no place for me on TikTok. Like, I, know. I don't even know. I wouldn't even know where to begin. <laughs> but I also can't ignore the fact that there's a very large potential buyer pool or a very large pool of of potential decision makers that are using that platform. And so it's things that we need to to take into consideration. I know you said digital native, which is, uh, I've never heard that term, but it makes total sense. But I mean, in essence, we're saying mm -hmm. these are a group of people who have grown up not knowing life without social media. So they very much revolve around social media. So when you get to people who are our age, who, you know, we were there when social media came in, but we knew life pre-social media, Sometimes it's really easy for us to just try to want to avoid social media, right? I, I have that. I see that when I'm doing my coaching. There's a, there's almost like an age cutoff of a cert, after a certain age where people are like, I don't want to Twitter. I don't want to do this or do that or the other thing. And that's, you can choose to do that, but yes. you have to understand that if you want to get in front of a certain amount of buyers, which is becoming a larger percentage of the buyers... Social media, content marketing, all of this sort of stuff, it really kind of should be part of your strategy. Is, is that fair to say? Absolutely. It, it really has to be. I think the number one rule that we have to embrace is that it's not about us. It is all about them. If you really want to engage using um, content marketing and social media marketing, your first rule of thumb is get to know your audience really, really well. And even I, the irony, too, Mark, is that we as voiceover actors working in, say, corporate narration, we do a lot of, say, explainer videos or, or videos that end up on YouTube and they end up on TikTok and they end up on you know, Snapchat and things like that. So there's a little bit of irony that the work we do actually being hired by millennials and uh, even those in the older generations but putting it out there are actually putting our voices through their content onto these platforms. So perhaps we should consider it, too, question mark? <laughs> Absolutely. I, and I think that almost answers the next question that I had. But let's dive into this a little deeper just in case. We know that we can't just create content for the sake of content. We can't just create it, right. throw it online and hope for the best. Right. So right. we know that there needs to be some sort of strategy. We talked already about identifying your audience and, and breaking that down, even not just to a general I want to reach video producers, but, you know, figuring out even demographics of video producers. Are there any other considerations that we need to take into account to make the content that we're creating more effective? Yeah, it's uh, what I refer to as uh, the persona, which is really the audience, right? Who is the person? And it's important to really, you know, dissect a human being, kind of what I call the specific generalness of a persona. And when you really have a sense of who, let's say you were talking about instructional designers, who is this person? What is their day like? What, how do they purchase from me? What you start to realize is that you want to then align them to the customer journey. And let's just use a simple journey of awareness to consideration, and then they purchase you. Just three simple steps for the sake of our conversation. My question to you as a business person, voiceover business person, is can you answer the questions, the 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 simple problem solution questions that your buyer has around your product and service. That's what you want to do. So when they're not even aware or they're aware that they have a problem, i.e., I need a voiceover, a talent to do my e-learning modules for this project I'm working on in quarter one. 
That's their problem. I need someone to do this job. Do they know how to hire you? Do they know what to look for? Do they understand how to purchase voiceover as a service and as a professional uh, product? If the answer is probably no for the most part because they're corporate people. They're not voiceover industry people, right? So for us to create content on how to help educate and teach and show them the way is how we want to get in front of them. So again, that's awareness. I'm aware that you have a problem. I've got solutions for you. I'm not selling anything yet. I'm just teaching you. And then as you build into the conversation, now that you're considering, let me tell you why you should hire a professional versus Ed from accounting, that kind of stuff. So being a teacher is probably the biggest skill set to have when it comes to content and being a teacher specifically to the questions that your audience has at any given moment. So not taking for granted, I guess it's easy to assume that everybody knows how this works. But everybody Correct. doesn't know how this works. And I guess that's one of the things that I have defaulted to in the past when it comes to trying to come up with ideas is I keep a running list of the, the questions that my clients or my prospects ask me. Because I assume that if they're asking me, like, where did you come up with your rate? Or how can I do a directed session with you? Or how long is it going to take to get this turned around? Or, you know, different questions like that. I assume that if if I'm getting asked that by potential buyers, that if one person's thinking it, probably several others are thinking it as well. And so I've always used that as a, as a way of coming up with ideas for content to create that is buyer centric, similar to what you talked about, right? It's just it's figuring out what their problems are and then being able to create content that offers the solution. Absolutely. And I mean, think about this. I actually put my B2B, my business to business, what I call, I think we do all business to business marketing, even to our agents and our production houses and people that are kind of in the know. Those are businesses as well. But this is what I call business to business, non-industry marketing, right? So we've got, I kind of bucket my voiceover marketing into two sections, the in the know and the not in the know. So if I market myself to an agent or a production house or a casting situation, those are people that we can have a shorthand conversation. Mm -hmm. They know what they want and they know how to ask for it. So I don't market to them per se. It's more of me trying to get in, get in the game, if you will, right? Just reach the relationship, build the relationship. So over here on the non-voiceover industry, we have to really understand we're just a cog in their machine. That's all we are. They don't have the emotional connection to our industry that we do. We think we're amazing and we love ourselves and we love our voices and we want to tell the world how great we are, but that doesn't get you a voiceover gig in corporate narration, for example, right? What gets you the gig is teaching those people how to hire you. Like, for example, think about usage, right? How many instructional designers probably understand the concepts of usage, really? Yeah. Probably very few. And so we can kind of banter about that with an agent or a casting director or a producer in a video house. But we can't – that's not the way instructional designers look at our work. They look at what we do as a cog in the machine. We're part of the process. So how can we make being part of the process easy by educating, providing guidance? And then, of course, what a lot of people don't realize in these non-industry Uh, businesses, if you're working for a company at a certain level, it can take a lot of moving parts and pieces to get you in as a preferred vendor. They don't want to hire another human. They want to stay with you for as long as they can, make their life easy by consistently educating and helping them be the hero in their journey, in their story. I think one of the things that you said, that they don't have an emotional connection. And I think that's so important for us to remember because so often we get, I mean, one of the things that I see all the time in Facebook groups is, is voice actors complaining about clients and the way that clients are responding or the way that clients have answered an email. Or, and there's this frustration because it's like, oh, they don't get it. They don't appreciate me. They don't <laughs> respect me, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's because they, they just need you to do the thing, right? They don't, they don't yes. need to have a, the, the emotional connection. They, they don't actually care about the industry. You said it. We're a cog. And the sooner that we can accept that, the sooner we can get over ourselves and just, you know, accept our place in the food chain, do the thing, get paid in the end. (laughs) I think that's really important to to point that out. So let's talk about sharing then. So there's there's two different things that I want to talk about or dive into when it comes to sharing content. The first is when we're sharing content on a subject that we're well-versed in, so we're the voice actor, we're the expert, right? We want to come across as the expert or the authority, but we don't want to come across as an egomaniac. 
what kind of right. tips do you have for walking that line? Yeah, it's um, you don't want to condescend in the moment, right? Yes. So I think it's, <laughs> I think it's also again, it it sounds so cliche from us marketers, but we're like go back to the audience, right? So. Um, I'll just give you an example of kind of different in that because within the audience, there's also different types of buyers inside that audience. So, for example, um, if I'm talking to a corporation, let's say a Fortune 1000, someone who's in a big company and they've got an, they may even have AV production in in their uh, as part of their facility, right? As part of their process, they have in-house all the things, the bells, the whistles. What they don't have, they still have to outsource for. Uh, actual voiceover. So understand that. So when you talk to them, you're not talking down to them, right? You understand their situation and you can speak to, you know, the fact that I understand you have AV or, you know, audio and video inside your organization. And as a voice actor, I want to make this easy for you. So let's talk about that situation and how I fit in. Now flip it to, say, a smaller company, uh, more of that small to midsize where everything is outsourced. It's about being simple in your conversation without being condescending. So even being able to explain when you ask the question, well, how is this going to be used? What is usage? Don't use our words. Use their words. Basically understand how they would look at a question in our industry. How long can I use your voice? And not only that, what becomes critical to this process, Mark, is SEO. We live in a world of voice search, Alexa, Siri, et cetera. And whenever I say those things, I've got to look at my, my mechanisms because I usually <laughs> kick in. Siri starts trying to talk to you. <laughs> Somebody yells, ding, you know, like, sweetie, it's okay. We're, <laughs> I don't need you right now. Uh, but think about we have voice search, which has increased somewhere between 20 to 30% in increase of search over year, year over year in voice search. And how do we talk about a question? We simply say, I need a voice for my project. Um, where do I find a good female voice? Um, how, uh, how long do I use a voice? How do I pay for a voice? Like we have to kind of practice those things in our brain to figure out how we create content so we can speak to the way that people search for it and people refer to it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that make, that's so good because that voice search especially, <laughs> I know that's something that I know that's something that is coming, and and I would say probably ninety five percent of us in the voiceover industry are, are we're not even thinking yeah. about it yet. It's not even on our radar no. yet, and it should be. It really should be, and I mean the very simplest way to even get a sense of well, how are people searching for me? I mean, I could probably do a whole whole session on how to create you know content driven SEO, but at the end of the day, there's you know on Google, which is seventy percent of the international browser market, by the way. So in Google, there's a section on, on page one, right? Most of, the, most of the top of page one is all ad-driven. You and I, Mark, do not have the budgets that our counterparts pay to get that placement. Yep. We don't have it. So we have to rely on organic search 100%. We don't have a choice. So if we're going to play into this content game, the better content will win out. It won't necessarily win out on you know the ad placement, but it will win out in just the fact that the more we write, create our content, and when I say write, even audio needs to have some kind of text with it because it still doesn't quite, you know, catch up to SEO in 2021 standards. But um, the more that we write towards how people speak and how they type, we are going to win. The algorithms are matching the content play here. So on page one, there's also a section on Google that says people, I think people also ask or people ask, right? Pay attention to those. Because those are the top ways that people are typing into the search engines or doing voice search to ask questions about your industry. That's so and good. the way that you, yeah, and the way that you get there is by answering. And nine times out of ten, it's very simple. It's very simple, and we tend to overcomplicate because we think we have a sexy industry, right? It's super sexy. So, <laughs> but guess what? You're a cog in the machine. Sorry to burst your bubble, guys. <laughs> I love the way you mentioned about usage in particular, you know, when we're talking about just trying to recognize where our buyers are at, what they know, what they don't know, you know, coming across as that expert without being condescending. Usage is one of those areas where voice actors tend to get really nasty and condescending. And and right. I, I mention it all the time. You're assuming that they understand and they don't. It's like when you get when you see an, a, a, a casting that talks about in perpetuity, I was like, I, I bet you 
Eight out of 10 people, if you ask them about perpetuity, they wouldn't even be able to tell you what it means. They're just throwing it in there because it's language that they read somewhere that they thought sounded good. And so they thought that's, you know, well, that probably just needs to be in there. And so they don't understand that they're literally asking to use our voice for all of eternity and, and you know, the, the entire free world and the galaxies around it and all that sort of stuff. And so sometimes <laughs> we do just need to take a breath, you know, just and then just politely say, here's what you're asking. Is this, you know, do you actually need this or could we maybe talk about a one year term? Right. And so absolutely just trying to be professional in, in how you handle it. So on the flip side yes. of this, then trying to come across as the expert in authority, but not an egomaniac. I work with and network with a lot of e-learning developers and instructional designers, e-learning narration, one of the main genres that I do. So I do try to share content from time to time that I think is relevant to that audience. And occasionally I will offer my perspective as a voice actor. But when it comes to those fields, I'm obviously not an expert. So what tips do you have for somebody who's trying to do some content marketing where they're not the expert, but they're trying to add value to people in their network? So like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, can that be productive and useful? Is it just imposter syndrome that's saying you shouldn't be sharing this or how does that work? No, it's a great question. Um, You know, and I, I always equate everything we do online to just human being human, right? So you know, if we want to be helpful, first of all, take on the mantle of I'm going to be as useful and helpful to my audience as I possibly can. If you live and breathe that every day, you will already be one step ahead of your counterparts because that means that you're not selling your services. You're just sharing good quality information. Now, the I think part of the question here is how do I play as an expert or as how do I participate in a conversation where I'm not the expert, but I want to help my people like yeah. I want to still be a part of it and be a student. Asking questions and being a student is just as important as being the teacher, right? Because we all have something to give and share. And so one of the things I've always recommended when people are in voiceover, I've I've suggested this a few times to different folks, is take time to actually engage with other, uh, you know, the people, right? Instructional designers, like when people ask me, well, how do I know what they like? Or how do I know what they're interested in? (laughs) Sounds funny, Mark, but I say, ask them. <laughs> um, it's literally, if you can get, uh, I always uh, like the idea of if I could get 10 people in this industry and buy them a cup of coffee for a 30-minute Zoom conversation and just ask them a few things of advice. Most people love to give advice. Most, not mm-hmm. everybody. People are usually willing to be helpful themselves and to better understanding. Then you go to this sharing of information. By sharing information that you think is relevant, you, you've, the more you understand your audience, you know it's relevant. You start to get a sense if it's relevant or not. So simply by being helpful or putting, for example, on social media, this is a, a breakdown that Mari Smith provided over 10 years ago, and I've lived with it uh, for a long time. Also, my friend Ian Cleary out of Ireland, um, Razor Social. He's a brilliant, love him to death. He also uh, equates this percentage, 70, 20, 10. 70% of your activity on social media should have nothing to do with you or your business. It should just be helpful for your audience. So maybe you are a student now, so you're reading e-learning blogs and you share it out to your, your audience. You let them know that you care. That's how people know you care, by sharing information. 20% is then educating on your own products and services. What is, what does usage mean? How can, you know, voiceover increase your engagement versus AI, that kind of thing. And then 10%, guess what, Mark? 10% is you, <laughs> right? Which is so. going to blow a lot of people's minds because they're like, a lot of people do are doing 70% about me and 10% yes. about everybody else. Yes, yes. Become a student of the industry you want to really connect with. My adage, my axiom, my mantra for the last how many years the more focused you are, the more money you make. So for many of us, we have a lot of different genres we want to participate in. Um, but the more we understand where our sweet spots are in terms of our gift of voice, as well as the way we use our time. So I'm like you, Mark, where I do a lot of corporate narration, e-learning work, also because it's a self-directed genre for the most part, right? There isn't as much directed session yep. involved, which allows for more flexibility in my my personal life, which I really need right now. But the reason I say that is because I've become a student of the buyer, right? I've become a student of e-learning. I, I didn't wake up one day and just know all this stuff, 
<laughs> I had to figure out if I'm a director of training and development, what do I care about? What organizations do I follow? What blogs or online resources can I also connect with so I can learn about them? And the more you put that out there, you're going to get their attention. If you start focusing on just you, guess what? I'm going to burst another bubble, Mark. I know it. They don't care. <laughs> Hallelujah. They just don't care. <laughs> um, we, there, I mean, how many amazing voiceover actors are there on the planet? Truly wonderful, talented people, right? We, If we get wrapped up in telling everybody how wonderful we are, we actually lose the opportunity to build connection, relationship, and subsequently educate and then become a valuable resource. And if you follow that rule versus it's all about me, you will go much further in, especially in the true B2B non-voiceover industries, for sure. I love the idea of, of asking questions for two reasons. One, I mean, we all know that everybody's favorite subject is to, to talk about is themselves. And so if you ask questions right. that give them the opportunity to talk about themselves, and especially something that they're an expert in, they're probably going to talk to you. So that in and of itself is a value. But if you ask the right questions, they're going to tell you exactly how to market to them because they're going to they're going to by asking the questions, you're going to identify the problems that they need solutions to, which is going to help you to figure yes. out how to create the the right kind of content, which is absolutely genius. I love the 70-20-10 thing, too. I'm, I'm definitely making a note of that. I think that's going to blow a lot of people's And that's minds. old school. Yeah, that is social old school. Like I'm talking 2011 learning like this. <laughs> You know, so, I'm kind of you joke. We joke about aging before, but I, I joke that I'm the person coming into these content conferences with the walker and the yellow tennis balls on the yep. <laughs> on the legs. That's me. Well, you, you know? know what? The the seventy twenty ten thing leads perfectly into the next question that I wanted, which was there is a belief or a myth that that to be effective for marketing, all of our content needs to be about voiceover. Right? We assume that we just need to constantly be telling people or helping people realize that we are a voice actor. And it's not something that I buy into. But what is your advice? Can content not related directly to voiceover still serve a valuable purpose in our business? And I think probably the 70-20-10 principle really applies here. Absolutely. In that 70%, remember, we're not talking to just a static one-degree you know, flat surface here. We're talking to a three-dimensional human who went through the pandemic, who's working from home, perhaps for the first time in their life. They've got three toddlers at home under the age of, you know, five or six or whatever, toddlers and young people. They're working from home in their living room in their kitchen because they're usually going to a corporate office. What would it mean for you to show empathy? What would it mean for you to show that you have been also learning how to, as someone who's worked from home, I can give you some suggestions on how to navigate that. I also had to move from corporate to work from home five years ago when I decided to become a voiceover actor. There are things that are the human connection that connect us even more so than just simply our jobs. And it's important to remember that, that at the, at the end of the day, we're all just in the same human experience and we're providing information that this person eventually needs, but the way we connect is always emotional. We say in marketing, stories sell, right? Well, let's not forget that. The story of a human, of a three-dimensional person, is whatever we're dealing with as well, but from their vantage point. So don't ignore it. Embrace it and become someone, as uh, my friend Bob Berg likes to say, you got to know, like, and trust me first. Yeah. And I think that's so key. I think yeah. that sometimes we forget that really, and I've said it for years, so much of marketing is just about building relationships. And part of the way you build a relationship is by getting to know someone on a, a more personal level and giving them the opportunity to get to know you. And I mean, I think back to some of the most effective content that I've shared in the last couple of years, like hands down the the best, the most uh, viewed and reacted to and commented on piece of content I've ever shared in my life was a picture of me and my baby in my booth. And I didn't <laughs> say anything about voiceover yes. or whatever. Right. But like <laughs> that blew up. That was just human. Right. The best email yep. that I sent in the pandemic was uh, I think I sent it in May of last year and the subject line was don't judge my Netflix. And I talked about five shows that I was watching on the streaming services right now. And it you know, was kind of a funny tongue in cheek sort of thing. But just about everybody I sent that to responded because they were all sitting at home doing the exact same thing, watching Netflix, right? Yes. We weren't talking about voiceover. Yep. I wasn't trying to sell them voiceover. I was just relating to what was happening in the moment, making that human connection. And 
And that's still, I mean, it, they're thinking about me now, though, right? So I don't need to constantly yes. be beating them over the head with with voiceover as long as they're thinking about me and, and I'm top of mind with them. So I think it's a really important reminder that all of that stuff that you share that you think is entirely irrelevant, actually somewhere along the line is going to have relevance. That's why I share barbecue pictures and talk about the Red Sox. And, you know, there's always a Dr. Pepper somewhere in one of my Instagram posts. And (laughs) that's just part of who I am. And that's part of what people, uh, that's part of how people identify me now, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, going back to we are a we are in a competitive world, right? So there's there's hundreds, if not thousands of people vying for similar jobs all, all over the globe. So it really does come down to your uniqueness, your who you are. And, you know, if you follow the rules of help first, be be a, be a teacher, be a friend, you're going to do so much more with the way you build your audience. It's also a wonderful way to build the organicness of who follows and attract and you attract, right? Who who you attract to your yeah. world. Because again, going back to just let's talk about the data and the search and all of that, we don't have the budgets. I don't think there's a single voiceover talent in the history of this entire nation or world that has the budget to compete with the companies that are paying for slots one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Those are millions of dollars, by the way, yeah. <laughs> that they're yep. paying for that slot. So um how do we do that? We do that by being ourselves and being a good teacher and a good, just a good community member. And um, and at the end of the day, you're also sharing a little bit about you of the human experience. That's always going to be a little bit more interesting than someone who's just constantly talking about themselves. It's just a really important thing to to remember. At the end of the day, we're all just people trying to get through the day, trying to get through the week, trying to do our jobs. And when we're doing B2B marketing, that is marketing that is especially true of the non-voiceover folks. Help them get through their jobs. If you think of that director of training and development as a hero in the journey, think about Star Wars, right? We've got a hero in the Star Wars. This is a classic storyline. Make the director of training and development the hero in the in their journey by you being helpful. They will remember that for the rest of their career. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so true. And it's nice to have, like, I talk all the time. I can't tell you how many clients that I've connected with in the in the New England area because of being a Red Sox fan. And so it's nice to have something that we're connected to with right. each other outside <laughs> of just constantly having to talk about voiceover. So that personal element makes a, a big deal. But then just being a champion, right? I mean, I... I think back I had a I had an interaction with an e-learning company not that long ago and the the guy that I was dealing with desperately wanted to hire a voice actor to do this work. They had hundreds of hours of content to create. But the people on his team were like, "Nope, we can just do it internally." And so he was trying to figure out how do I sell them right. on this idea. And so I said, "Well, why don't you present it that look your team, they've got to create the content and voice the content, which is why you've got such a backlog. So if you explain to them that by giving the voicing to somebody else, it frees them up to do the one thing that they do best and that nobody else can do, we can actually increase your productivity, which is actually going to make you money in the long run. And when I presented it from that perspective, he's like, oh my gosh, that's genius. And so that is the way that he, that's the way that he took it to them. And then he sold the team and I was all excited. And then they changed their mind at the last minute anyway. And I didn't get the job. But that's not the point. The point was I was willing to sit down with this guy and work out a plan for how do we make every how do we make this so everybody wins? Right. Yes. How do we make this so you can present this to your boss where you look like a genius and your boss is like, oh, my gosh, this is not going to cost me money. This is going to make me money and increase the efficiency of my team all at the same time. Right. I was willing to sit down and, and have that back and forth conversation and, and sort that out with him. And so I, the whole idea of just being human and making connection, and it all resonates. It makes so much sense. But sometimes I think we overlook it because we're just so focused on trying to book the job. And we get in our own way so badly <laughs> in, in many ways. You're you're also, a, you know, you do the business marketing coaching side. You know, we all get in our own way yeah, right? 100%. more than anybody else. And so this is a perfect example. And I just want to touch on, even if, if, if anyone listening is saying, okay, how do I know what problems to solve? Think of three buckets. Most problems fall in people problems. I need a person. I, I have too many people. I don't have enough people. Something there. Time problems. I don't have time. Uh, this takes too long. 
those kinds of things. And then money problems. And you're absolutely right. Yep. I don't have the money or I can save money if I do it differently, which then, of course, gives me more budget somewhere else. Yep. So um, those are good three buckets to kind of think about when you're thinking of how can I write or talk about problems in my in the industry that I'm trying to get into. That's really smart because, sure. I mean, it sounds very general, but yeah, you're right. Probably 90% of the stuff that you're going to come into is going to fall into one of those three buckets. Makes so much sense. It's that time of year. It's January. It's the time of the year when we are setting goals, when we are getting excited, when we're feeling inspired, where motivation is driving us, and where we are convinced that this year is going to be our best year in voiceover yet. And you know what? It can be. I want to help you make that happen by giving you the tools that you need to become a more effective marketer. Taking the things that you've learned in this episode with Pamela, but expanding on them into other areas as well. VoiceOver Marketing Playbook is my flagship marketing program. It is going to give you all of the foundational principles and tools that you need in order to be a more effective marketer. I'm going to teach you how to find your own leads, build your own client base, and become the consistently working voice actor that you want to be. VoiceOver Marketing Playbook, about a six-hour video course that you can watch at your leisure. You can also watch it as often as you would like. Revisit it in three months, in six months. Revisit it every year if you want. You'll always have access. Playbook is available now, January 5th through the 14th, 2022, and you can get all of the details for signing up at voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. That's voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Now, back to our show. In a perfect world, we would map out a calendar for the entire year. We'd know exactly what our strategy was going to be. I know that just in saying that, there's people listening to this episode right now whose butts have just fully puckered because they're like, no, I can't do that. That is too overwhelming. <laughs> Even quarterly, monthly for some people can and can stress them out. But what kind of what are, what are some specific things that you think that we could be doing to plot out in advance? Even even just a generalized kind of roadmap, because I think the number one excuse that I, I hear from people is I don't know what to post. And, and yeah. so the barrier there is that you, you don't have any ideas of what to post today. But if you sat down and you kind of mapped out a strategy, then you remove that barrier, right? You, yes. You can't say, yes. I don't know what to post today because now you have a plan. So whether it's a monthly plan, a quarterly plan, even if it's a weekly plan, what are some things that we can be doing just to kind of plot out so that we have a little bit of a direction and we give ourselves something that we can be accountable to? Yeah. Um, you know, a plan and a process is actually freedom. People don't realize that. The more you plan and process, you actually have freedom to do the work because yeah. you're not stressed out over what am I going to do, right? So there's freedom in planning. And that's extremely important for everyone to hear because a lot of folks think that it gets in the way. No, it doesn't. It actually gives you more freedom. Um, and then second around that is just think about a 12-month calendar. The best way to just come at this is what's going on in a calendar year, kind of in a universal level, from holidays to seasonal to just stuff, right? We're, we're, you know, we're recording this, we're moving into the Thanksgiving holiday and then the December holidays, right? So where are people at and what can I talk about just because of seasonality? That's really kind of the first place that we can easily wrap our brains around. Then as you start to think about your specific industries, let's talk about e-learning. What is going on in that industry seasonally? When is there an uptick in learning? When do things slow down? What are events or things that are happening in their industry that I should write about or talk about or at least be aware of? So it's about kind of taking that seasonality approach as a starting point. And then um, just break it down, you know, give yourself some kind of a thematic process if it's monthly. So if you're doing newsletter monthly, give yourself the ability to plan out a thematic process. Like in January, it's going to be all about starting new planning, goal setting, whatever it is. Um, and then just kind of create that theme around the majority of your content. And it will save you a lot of time of trying to think of new things for everything, right? Even thinking about those buckets that you talked about, right, the, the, the people, the time, the, the financial, I mean, you could pull a ton of ideas out of just those three buckets and then lay that out. Like it could be you could focus on a bucket each month or something like that, right? Like even little things like that could, could become part of the plan. Totally. 
Absolutely. You could even make, if you wanted to make this easy on yourself, let's say you're doing something, um, you're thinking 12 months into quarters. Maybe the first uh, quarter is all about the people part, and you're going to create content for three months, three monthly newsletters around a people approach, maybe a little article, whatever the case is. You're going to curate content about people, people management, people, 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 right? Do the same thing for quarter two in time, do this for financial in quarter three, and then quarter four is kind of a wrap-up and all-around good thing to know. Um, and so, yeah, you don't have to overcomplicate the process at all. You just need to know that if you put out a calendar of very simplistic concepts, a lot of it will come to you. The other thing, Mark, that people don't realize is that you have to plan and get ideas on paper to let the creativity begin. Yeah. You, you can't be ideas beget ideas. Right. So the only way to get through more ideas is to get your initial ideas down on paper. <laughs> That, that is sense. so true because I went so I went away in the uh, in early November. I went I to called it a creative retreat. We went up north to visit family. So my wife and my kids stay at grandma's house. I was in a hotel, you know, no distractions, free to just think. And one of the things that has always challenged me with this podcast is for over two years now, I've been week to week with the podcast, which is incredibly frustrating Wednesday night, I could be in the booth recording an episode that was going to air on Thursday morning. I just never could get ahead. And so one of the objectives that I had set for myself on this creative retreat was I was going to come up with three months of topics for the podcast, which seemed impossible because I'd never even come remotely close to that before. But when I sat down in the hotel and I just allowed myself the freedom to just brainstorm it out, Within two hours, I had something like 16 episodes mapped out as far as topics and, and potential guests. And like you said, the ideas beget the ideas. Once the first couple were down on paper, all of a sudden, the other ones just started to come and it just made it so much easier. And so where we're using the excuse of I could never come up with that many ideas or I could never plot out a year in advance, if you sit down and just let yourself do it, you might be surprised how easy it ultimately starts to come. Yes. And we know more than we give ourselves credit, to be honest. Right? So there's that as well. Once you start, it's amazing how the brain will allow you to just continue to expand on an idea for sure. Yep. So how do we get past our creative roadblocks, whether they're real or perceived? Ah, yes. Okay. So just like you did in early November, right, Mark, you talked about and you also posted about going to the hotel for a few days, getting yourself kind of centered with yourself, right? We have to do that. We are so busy in our own heads. So you've got to give yourself time, make room for time. I think it's especially important for those of us, and let's face it, voiceover is a work from home business, right? So if you've got a lot of activities in your life, kids, parents, just busyness, right? So find that me time. And if you have to schedule it, do it. Don't underestimate the power of being alone because that is when, you know, it's it's no, there's no accident that our most creative ideas come when we drive a car, take a shower, go for a walk yeah. because our body is on autopilot and allows our mind to be creative. Um, and there's science around it. Can't tell you exactly where that science is, but go ahead and Google some things. I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> but there is something to be said. We just got to make that time. And it's so important. Like you said, you came up with 16 ideas for your podcast interviews uh, for upcoming episodes. And if you're just busy, busy, busy with the boo and everyone else, you just don't have time for that, right? <laughs> it's so true. And the amazing part to me was that it that was two hours. And so yeah. I've been doing the podcast for our I mean, we're closing in on three years now. And in two hours of just intentional, quiet, distraction-free time in a new environment, because I think changing the scene was a big part for me too. In two hours, I was able to do what I had not been yes, able to do yes. in the previous two and a half years, uh, which speaks to it. I also think there's something to be said for unfiltered brainstorming. Mm, yes, there is no such thing as a bad idea. And... For those actors out there who do improv, you know the wonderful yes and uh, play that we do, right? Where we feed off each other and you come up with something, Mark, and you say yes and, and then I say something. It's about saying yes, right? And we, if you take that same energy into your ideas and your creative brainstorming, if you will, you will find that there really is truly no such thing as a bad idea. And if ideas beget ideas, you got to start somewhere. And the bad ones become really great ones. Absolutely. 
You know, I'm thinking yeah. about uh, earlier I asked you about coming up with a content calendar. And, and for so many people, you know, the idea of planning out a year or a quarter seems overwhelming. And yet, as you were talking, I was like, OK, stop making it sound so easy because I'm feeling guilty conviction for not doing it. Because you literally were, I was like listening and I'm like, wow, this really doesn't have to be that complicated. But to add to that, let's say give us two or three things that that anybody could do, regardless of where they're at, whether they're you know, a little bit more seasoned veteran of, of doing some form of content marketing or they're a voice actor who's not really sure that they're embracing it yet but knows that they need to. Give, give us two or three simple things that anybody could do starting in 2022 to start making better content and, and using it as a way of promoting our brand and our business. Absolutely. I'm going to, um, we call it in marketing, market research. We don't really steal ideas. We just do marketing research. So um, I'm going to market research my friend Marcus Sheridan, uh, and he taught us this way back in 2011, and I have lived and breathed this. Write out the top 50 or the first 50 questions that come to mind that your audience has about your business, your service, or your practice. Just write them out. It kind of it takes those two ideas of creative energy. There is no such thing as a bad idea, brainstorming, and bringing it into the question-answer process, Right. Just write them all down. Even if they're silly questions, just get them all on paper. Somewhere in there are 10, 20, maybe even 30 solid questions that can equate to your content. All good content is in its barest, simplest form is the answer to a question. So if you could answer 10, 15, 20 questions next year that your audience is asking about your business, would that change how you develop content in 2022? And the beautiful thing about that is that you then go and repurpose it because once you've answered the question, it looks one way on Instagram, but it might take a slightly different format in a video that you post on YouTube or TikTok. And it might take an even slightly different format from that in the way that you decided to share and answer that question on LinkedIn. And so you can take that one question that you've answered, repurpose it based on several different platforms, and now you've just multiplied the number of pieces of content that you've created without having to come up with that many more ideas. Exactly. The power of repurpose and reimagining can 10 times your content, basically, right? One answer can become three, five, eight, ten different ways that you repurpose or reimagine the answer. Absolutely. Yes. That's one of the so, areas where I need to get better at because I create so much stuff that I'm using <laughs> one in one way and I just think all the time like, Oh my gosh, if I had the time to repurpose some of this stuff, I would never have to create another piece of content for the next 10 years. Well, and, and along those same lines, Mark, we have to we sometimes underestimate the power of new to somebody else. Just because it's not new to you doesn't mean it's not new to the person who's never seen it before. Yeah. Right? That's so so it might be old and it might be like, oh, I've done this a hundred times. But if I've never seen it, my job in director as director of training and development started on January 1st. 2022, I now have to ramp up my efforts and plan all these projects. I've never done this before. That is new to them. You need to realize that your audience does not live and breathe your world. So do not let up on the gas, right? Don't let up on the gas because the minute you do, you go down in the rankings. <laughs> I think that's also something that we we need to understand a little bit better is just simply in how social media algorithms work. And I think there's this misconception that I created this piece of content and I shared it on LinkedIn and that's it. It's dead. But right. but no, it's not because when you shared it on LinkedIn on a Monday morning and 5% of your audience saw it, but a couple weeks later if you shared it on a Thursday afternoon, a whole different audience set may see that piece of content. And so the the idea of creating it and then sharing it one time and then just letting it die is something that I think that we all need to get over because we need to remember that not every single person in our network sees every single piece of content that we share every single time that we share it. Absolutely not. And that's a really, and maybe that's my number two suggestion then, is once you have evergreen content, something that is does not have a date to it, if you will, right? 
good, solid, evergreen content that answers a question. You can actually set it up so that when, let's say it's a blog post, right? We have our bloggers out there. We'll just use a real example. So if you, like you said, you push it out on Monday morning, if you only do it the one time, you only get that little subset of a few dozen people. That's it, because the algorithm on Twitter, boom, it goes fast. So you need to set it up so that perhaps you're taking that same piece And for the first 30 days, you're doing it three or four times a week at different times. And then you can still, guess what? If that thing is valid today, it's probably valid in six months. It's valid in a year. You then just add it to your arsenal. Think about this. If you're writing a blog once a week, that is um, how many weeks in a year? 52. Yep. (laughs) I'm doing my math real quick here, guys. Not my strong suit. But we have 52 blog posts. What if you had a running, ongoing sharing of evergreen content? That was happening at any given moment on your your social channels. That is how you have to think, is that just because you're done, it's not done to someone who hasn't seen it. I thought that that was going to be the last question, but now you've, <laughs> you've just given me one more that I, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because okay. I'm curious as somebody who's doing this, creating yes, all of this content and coming up with all of these plans, do you have a software solution that you prefer or that you think would be good for a voice actor when it comes to being able to schedule some of this stuff out, you know, map some of it out and and automate it. I know there's a lot of different social media schedulers out there. Is there one that you like or that you think would be good for us to look into? Yeah, it's always going to depend on your ability to budget, right? I I am a big fan of a company called Sprout Social, but they're probably out of the budget of a lot of uh, voice actors just getting going because they're looking at probably 100 bucks a month, but it has a lot of capability. It pulls in your Google Analytics. It pulls in um, the ability to curate content through kind of a Feedly RSS. I mean, it just kind of becomes a one-stop shop for a lot of the things. It's when you're serious, and it's got a great user interface, easy to use, and also good data. Now, on the other side of the fence, you've got Buffer, which is the good one, and also Hootsuite's pretty good as well on the less expensive side, right? So you're right, Mark. There's a lot of stuff out there, but at the end of the day, you've got to use what's going to be right for your budget and right for you. That's yep. the, the one thing that, I mean, I've, I've played around with Buffer. I've played around with Hootsuite. I've played around with Planly, with Post Planner. Zoho has a social media scheduler. So there's a few different ones that I've yep. played around with the the one thing that always frustrated me was I, I, it was hard to find one that did all the platforms, which was, you know, so yes. then you got to kind of pick and choose which platforms are most important. But I will say that when I was using them, particularly Post Planner, I was a lot better about scheduling things out because I think part of it was that it gives you that visual of like I can look at a map for th- a yes. calendar rather for 30 days and kind of plot out, you know, this, 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 this and kind of kind of put it all in there. So don't discredit the value that can come from using a tool like that. And don't just look at it as an expense, as in it's going to cost me X. Think of it as an investment, because if it's the if it's that one tool that makes you actually start sharing on a more regular and consistent basis, there is going to be a payoff for that in yes. the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right on. All right. So All right. you've got a lot. This has been great. I, I like. I mean, I've even got to go back now, and I've got to look at. You really ticked me off with the mapping out the year thing. <laughs> Sorry, you made it sound so easy. I was like, ah, I know. You're even taking away it's, my excuses now. Well, another motto I have is it's simple. It's just not necessarily easy because finding time and making time for yourself and all these things kind of fall into that. You know, got to got to time manage, or I say personal manage yourself inside of time to make it work. Right. Yes, absolutely. So if somebody wants to find you on social media or get in touch with you to get some questions answered or I'm guessing maybe you offer some some content that might be helpful for us, uh, where can we find you? Yeah. Um, Twitter is at Pamela Muldoon. Pamela Muldoon, if you just actually Google it, you'll find me. Right? <laughs> and so that really helps. LinkedIn is a great way to reach out to me um, because I do also work in the content marketing space. I have, uh, I'm have i a director of content strategy with a company out of Seattle. Plus, I do my voiceover work. And of course, Muldoon voiceover is all where I do the audio part of my world. But the best way to reach out to me, honestly, is LinkedIn. And just send me an email or a message, and I'm happy to chat, connect, provide a resource, whatever it does to help you grow your business in the next year. From Hawaii on the beach with your From laptop. From Maui. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, with whales in the distance. There you go. Sounds perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Pamela. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. It's been fun. What I appreciate the most about what Pamela had to share, but what also frustrates me the most is, how easy she makes it sound. Because the fact of the matter is, 
it's so much easier than what we build it up to be. We look at the topic of content marketing and content creation like it's this giant overwhelming thing and we have no idea what to say, what to share. We're not that interesting. People don't care. Blah, 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 blah. We got all kinds of excuses. But Pamela really breaks it down. And when she breaks it down the way she does, you realize that, you know what? This isn't that hard. This is something that every one of us is more than capable of doing. And if you do it consistently and if you do it well, it is going to make a difference in your business. So what did you learn from this episode? I would love to hear one thing that you picked up, one new tip, one way that you were inspired, one new action that you took. Would you share it in your Instagram stories? Tag Pamela. It's at Pamela Muldoon. Tag me at Mark Scott. Share it in your Instagram stories. I'll put those handles in the show notes as well so you can look them up. But I would love to hear from you, and I know Pamela would too, to hear how this episode has inspired you. I think we've all got a little bit of work to do when it comes to laying down a roadmap for our content strategy in 2022. Now you've got all the information that you need and all of your excuses have been taken away. Thanks so much for listening. I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Veopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceAmp player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voiceam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voiceam.com slash markscott. And scene. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Veopreneur goodness? Jump online at veopreneur.com.